another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. For the first 16 years of my life, I lived in a tripartite brick building in the Bronx in a one-bedroom apartment with my parents. I was an only child. And when I got old enough, they gave me the bedroom. They slept in a Castro convertible in the living room. The apartment was rather distinctively decorated for a place in the Bronx. It wasn't typical. The living room looked more like a nightclub, and mostly so when at night there would be dim lights and lots of mirrors. The bedroom wasn't really a child's bedroom. It was more like a den in its appearance. And my bed was a twin that was specifically built out of sort of a, a wood table board with a mattress on top of it. When I got up in the morning, the bedclothes would be taken off of it and the top really looked like a piece of furniture. It was covered with fabric. It reminded me more than anything of a kind of raft floating in a river or an ocean or a sea. It was particularly comforting somehow to pretend when I was going to sleep that I was in this boat raft on a calm ocean or sea, rocking to sleep. The sea of my nightly imagination was a calm one. Of course, the sea of life, if you will, is rarely calm like that. I mentioned in a previous episode that I have this little book that initially was blank in which I placed prayers and meditations and thoughts to which I retreat in times of confusion, anxiety, depression, complexity, and provide a calm and a bit of insight, reminders of insight from the past that I need again to put me back on a path of quietude. One of the sources of these meditations in this little book come from the Magnificat, which I subscribe to from time to time. The Magnificat is a little booklet that contains the masses of the day with the readings and the responsorial psalm and information about particular saints and a meditation at the end that is often applicable to the time or the day. One such meditation that it looks like I cut out some long time ago and stuck in the book, is by Padre Pio, Saint Pio, a priest not only famous for his confessional skills in Italy, but also famous for having been given the stigmata, the five marks of Christ on the cross. A well-known quote among Catholics is, pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful and will hear your prayer. A parishioner from my parish, St. Victor, is the one who introduced me to that quote because she knew when I was working in particular how much worry was part of my life. Effectively obsessive worry and rumination, which while it did not 
affect my performance as an attorney did however cost me a great deal in my personal life i am guessing that this meditation which i'm about to read to you found its way to my little pink book during a particular siege in my working life it's called in the boat with jesus whatever can i say in order to stop the multitude of your thoughts don't try excessively to heal your heart as your efforts would only make it more infirm don't make too great an effort to overcome your temptations as this violence would only make them stronger despise them and don't dwell on them too much keep jesus crucified present to your imagination in your arms and on your breast and kissing his side say a thousand times this is my hope the living source of my happiness this is the heart of my soul nothing will ever separate me from his love i possess him and will not leave him until he places me in a safe place often say to him what can i have on earth or what can i expect in heaven if not you O my jesus you are the god of my heart and the inheritance i desire for all eternity whom should we fear therefore Listen to our Lord, who says to Abraham and to you also, Do not fear, I am your protector. Therefore, be steadfast in your resolutions. Stay in the boat in which he has placed you, and let the storm come. Long live Jesus. You will not perish. He may sleep, but at the opportune time he will awaken to restore your calm. I was trying to stop the storm on my own power which of course is impossible because the storm always comes my thoughts were anticipations of those storms they were useless and instead of praying i was doing that full of a multitude of thoughts that got me nowhere i was trying to calm my thoughts and the more i tried to do that the more the thoughts came to me and disturbed even the slightest indicia of calm Padre Pio is telling us to stay in the boat. What boat is he talking about? Well, it's the boat in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus calms the storm. When evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. And a great storm of wind arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care if we perish? And he awoke and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? And they were filled with awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even wind and sea obey him? I have to admit that as an adult, my childhood image of being in a boat, rocking myself to sleep, was altered somewhat by my knowledge of Padre Pio. And when things got a little crazy in my head, I would imagine myself in the boat during the storm like the apostles 
with Jesus in the stern, in a strange way at peace, even though he was still asleep in my imagination, because I knew that I didn't need to do anything for the storm to be calm. He could do it. He would do it if I asked him in prayer. But just his presence was enough in my mind's eye. What could perfect these moments of imagination? What perfected it for me was actually to be on the Sea of Galilee, to be at the place, quite literally, where Jesus calmed the storm in a boat, in this case a motorboat, but one that looked somewhat like the kinds of boat that Jesus and the apostles sailed in. I actually spent two nights around the Galilee, very closely around the Galilee. One of the things you realize that if you read the Gospels and the letters, you are aware that was the case, but doesn't really stick with you, doesn't have the impression until you're actually there, is how much Jesus's life and miracles are around that lake. It was getting dark when we arrived on our bus, our group in 2018, just enough to put our bags in our little cottage rooms in this kibbutz that is mostly now a hotel, a family hotel, and to get a glimpse of the lake as we walked over to the buffet that they would have pretty much in every hotel for the tourists. After dinner, a group of us tried to go down to the water and we didn't really see exactly where the paths were. So we got to the shore through some reeds and uh, glimpsed a little bit with some lights in the distance, but we really couldn't see anything. So we all went back to our rooms and I went back to mine and I decided this would be a good time to journal and say the rosary close right down a walk maybe 50 paces at most to the water but I didn't want to go down there directly since I couldn't see very well so I sat on a bunch of white Adirondack type chairs and uh, just enjoyed the quiet and trying to grasp the fact that I was at the Sea of Galilee this girl from the Bronx who lives in Los Angeles who never actually thought she would go to the Holy Land and then pretty suddenly made the decision to do so. Now anybody who knows me knows I am not a morning person and the one thing that is true about traveling in groups is that everything starts really early in the morning. Breakfast starts at 7. So if I wanted to spend time before we ate and got on the buses and drove around the Sea of Galilee to the various locations, like Capharnaum, like the Hill of the Beatitudes, I really needed to get up even earlier. So I did so about six o'clock, actually probably before six because I was out by six and now I could see and there was a clear path to the water. Now I was in Israel at the end of November and the very beginning of December. So there really, as I said, weren't a lot of people around, which I loved in a sense, because when I walked down to the water, there was just one woman in a plastic chair 
sitting at the edge of the water and the sun was coming up so that made her lone presence in the gleaming just gleaming sun even more dramatic we were maybe joined by one or two other people walking along the beach which was filled with little shells of things like mussels and other shellfish now i had heard or they had told us that there aren't a lot of fish in the sea i'm not sure i remember the reason but i think it has to do with the fact that over the years it had been overfished and also the water in the sea of galilee has sort of shrunk it's the the shore is not in the exact same place that it used to be but still as i walked along my thoughts turned to the fact that jesus had walked in this very area certainly close enough so close that i could feel his presence in a sense all through the time we were around there sometimes even more than i did in some of the more public shrines probably because at the public shrines there were such crowds and here there was no obstruction it was just the sea of galilee and me and a couple of other people that full hour before breakfast was in its quiet way one of the highlights of the trip and then after breakfast we took a ride to another side of the Sea of Galilee where they have where the boats are docked that take you across for about 45 minutes to one of the shrines and right now I can't remember whether it was the Church of the Beatitudes I think it was that it ultimately took us to it was a rainy ish morning more like drizzle and we got on the boat and I would say it had the typical tourist aspects of it. You could buy trinkets at the front, but it was uh, a very comfortable, simple boat. The music was rather tinny, evangelical type stuff, but somehow it worked and I found myself humming along. Again, I could not quite believe that I was there on the Sea of Galilee, where, as in the picture that is on this podcast of Jesus saving Peter from the storm, where Jesus did save Peter from the storm. I was there as I'm remembering it this minute. What I sense is the same thing I sensed when I was there. Absolute peace. No past, no present, no future. Just the spot where Jesus lived and worked. By the time we got to the Church of Peter's Primacy, the weather had turned sunny. And this was one of the prettiest spots, lots of bougainvillea. The sky turned beautiful blue, that artist cerulean blue, few clouds in the sky. Now, this spot, it is said, is where after Jesus was resurrected and the apostles were out fishing unsuccessfully Jesus appeared on the shore and again gave them instructions as to how to make a catch and when they came back to shore having done well he was cooking fish for them he was cooking fish for their breakfast this spot was perhaps also a favorite I had so many favorites when I was in Israel but at this point the water was lapping towards these rocks and then 
It was about noon, and the Angelus bells rang. It couldn't have been more perfect. I don't know if I'll be able to do it, but I'll see if I can put an image of the sea at that point, which I have on my wall in my bedroom. And every time I pass it and stop, the same peaceful feeling, just for a second, comes over me. Another wonderful thing about the spot at the Galilee where Peter's Primacy Church exists is another aspect of the gospel that occurred there. Remember that before he was crucified and after promising with great pride that he would never do so, Peter denied Christ three times, saying he did not even know him. So in this place that I was, and you might say, well, you don't know that it was the exact spot, but as I said earlier, it's in and around the Sea of Galilee, so close enough for someone who has lived 7,000 miles from that place and through 2,000 years plus of time. The following happened. And this is from John 21, starting at paragraph 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you fastened your own belt and walked where you would, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will fasten your belt for you and carry you where you do not wish to go. This he said to show by what death he was to glorify God. And after that, he said to him, follow me. Talk about a moment of rehabilitation just occurred to me that when we go to confession, there is essentially a moment like that. It just doesn't take place out of water, but Jesus is present through the priest, and our going to confession is a sort of, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. That's why we're there. I digress. But this is a good place to sort of end my imagery. When I was a child, I pretended to be in a boat by myself, rocking myself to sleep in no particular place, on any sea, on any ocean. Then I read about Jesus in the boat or heard about it in the various homilies and in reading the gospel, and I would imagine myself in the boat with Jesus, but still on no particular water or sea. But having seen the actual Sea of Galilee, where Jesus in his human nature, but also in his divine nature, was with the apostles. I have the whole picture. I can see it all. And now I'm actually there. And he is telling me, don't be afraid. And 
follow me. If only I could keep that in my soul and heart all the time. But he's always there to remind me. Thanks for listening. I'm working on getting some additional interviews. So stay tuned to hear from other ordinary Catholics doing extraordinary things on Ordinary Old Catholic Me.